Coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, Trenton Biz, a look back at Nevada one final time, and we get ready for Rutgers. What did we learn? The victory against Nevada. We talk about that. Putting is winning. Oh, we got a couple of great punters on hand for this one this weekend. We'll make our bets of the week brought to you by Bet Online. All coming up today. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back with you, another edition of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Trent over here, Biz over there, as we break things down and get ready for the Big Ten opener against Rutgers. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day, available wherever you get podcasts. And you can also find us on YouTube. Just search Locked On Hawkeyes. And while you're there, if you can, just hit that subscribe button. Biz, people are noticing you in the community. You're, you're loving this video aspect. People coming up saying, hey, you do a podcast. I see you. This whole uh, video and subscribe thing, Trent, uh, I don't understand the whole YouTube algorithm the way you do, but apparently we hit a magic number because now we are uh... – we pop up when people uh, are, are looking for mediocre Iowa podcasts, apparently, because I, I saw I, I I still haven't subscribed to our own podcast, but and I had never actually even looked at it. But I saw we had an inappropriate amount of people watch our podcast last week. I think people were uh, a little pissed off after that Iowa State loss and we're looking for anybody to, uh, to, to listen to rant and rave for a while. Uh, we certainly did that and get a victory. That's obviously an improvement from what we saw the week previous. Nevada, though, that was a bad football team. So before we kind of get into that, how long did you make it? I, I know you weren't there at 1.40 in the morning when it went final. So how long did you make it before you decided, you know what, going to make the short trip back to North Liberty? Yeah, we, we left We left at the initial uh, clearing of the stadium. And, and honestly, the reason we left is looking at the radar. I was like, there's no way they're starting this thing back up till. Till midnight, and and they shouldn't have. Why they yeah. why they tried it twice? I don't know. But uh, ironically, literally as we were pulling into the uh, my, my driveway, um, they talked about that they were going to have it back in thirty minutes. So my son and I kind of looked at each other and like, should we go back? And we uh, we actually pulled up the radar again. And I was like, man, if we go back, I, I honestly don't think it's going to last more than about twenty minutes before it. Uh, before it gets postponed again. So, so fortunately we did not go back, but uh, yeah, it, it was, you know, just scrolling through Twitter and everything. It was pretty funny to see people wandering in with their dogs and the uh, massive, uh, you know, economy sized bags of popcorn they were handing out and uh, just random people stumbling back from the bars, you know, 25 years ago, Trent, we'd have had a lot of fun. We'd, we'd have sprinted yes. to the bars, got even more drunk and then uh, somehow <laughs> wandered our way back into Kinnick and, uh, enjoyed it a little too much, probably. Uh, no doubt. It was uh, certainly a fun experience, something different. But we look at the actual game and breaking things down and trying to figure out what did we really learn there? I went back and rewatched the game on Sunday night. It was hard to get a whole lot. Nevada's bad. That's a bad defensive team. The offense certainly looked better, but even rewatching it, there were plays that were left on the field. Not all of them were on Spencer Petras. It was Brody Brecht a couple of different times, maybe turning the wrong way. And just doesn't have a whole lot of game reps at this point in time. Keegan Johnson, he's not going to be available, it sounds like, this week. He just didn't look like himself even when he was out there. There were positives, but I'm just at the point, I can't overreact to doing that against a team as bad defensively as Nevada. 
I, I tried to do kind of a, a, a pros and cons to take away from that game, Trent. I, I came up with three on each side of the ledger. So uh, take it what you will. But on the positive side, Petrus certainly looked serviceable. I mean, did, was he great? Absolutely not. But that's the Petrus I think we were probably hoping for in game one, which was somebody who can at least, you know, take some shots down the field, use his arm strength, you know, make a play or two. And, you know, he's never going to be – He's never going to be the most accurate quarterback in the world. He's always going to be up and down. But, you know, that's – if he plays like that, we'll we'll be all right. I mean, that, that was certainly a step in the right direction for Spencer Petras. Second, obviously the wide receivers got healthier, which which goes in line with, with Petras looking better because, I mean, just having more bodies certainly helped because we were able to do some different formations and, you know, do some different things. And it was certainly a, a much more – creative offense than it was the first two weeks. And part of that's just due to health. And the third positive takeaway is I know Nevada's not good, Trent, but shout out to shutout. And they were not even remotely close to, uh, to, to score. I know they attempted a whatever 58 yard field goal or something, but uh, you know, they never got inside the 35 at any point all game long. And that's, you know, regardless who you're playing, that's really impressive. So that's the, the positive side of the ledger. Uh, on the negative side, you know, being in Kinnick for the first two and two and a half, two and three quarters games, I knew the O-line was bad. But then going home and seeing it on TV, wow. Well, I mean, wow. Uh, they look they, – they can't even come off the ball, like, in sync with each other. I mean, there's times when it, it's uh, – I just don't see the O-line getting fixed this year. I, I just – it's going to be a major problem. And I think the good news is that the coaching staff knows that at this point, they're going to have to game plan around it. They're going to have to get creative. They're going to have to find ways to, you know, make it work because that old line is just not good. And same thing. I think can be said for the wide receivers. I know a couple of them came back healthy, but it's just not a very good group. I mean, you know, Brody Breck, like you said, either misjudged it or, I mean, just, you know, Jack Johnson trips over his own feet on a play where he's trying to adjust. It was not, uh, you know, Nico Regani still, I mean, he came back. It was nice, but he also dropped a wide open pass. And, you know, he's, you know, he is what he is. He's a, a serviceable, probably third, fourth wide receiver on somebody's team. And then the last big concern from the game is, you know, some, some injuries piling up. Like you said, Keegan doesn't look like he's going to be back. And my big worry is Noah Shannon. I, I think this team's Badly needs Noah Shannon. He's kind of the, the linchpin to the middle of the defense. And uh, I worry, you know, will he be, you know, if, if, is he going to have a nagging injury that's going to be a problem the rest of the year? That, that's one that scares me because I really think he's taken a step. It is one of those one of those great Iowa defensive line stories where by year four or five in the program, they're just absolute studs. You know, uh, I thought it was interesting. So we saw, I thought, some big improvement in the run game. Tyler Ellsbury was in there. He graded out very well, and I think that showed on the screen as you were watching it as he came in at the guard position in the game on Saturday night into Sunday. So maybe that's a, a something that can help out a little bit. But something that Kirk, a, a takeaway from his press conference, is he said, yeah, he's got a chance at guard, but he's also practicing at center. You know, Logan Jones, it has not been the smooth transition that maybe we thought it had a chance to be. Look, there was going to be a step back going for Linderbaum to anybody there. But Logan Jones, three games in, you got to consider him a disappointment at this point in time. And you mentioned you know, things being out of sync. How many times have we seen this year? It looks like the offensive line is, is off sides or jumping early just because the snap's not getting back there in time or it, there's a little bit of a delay, whatever it is. 
Logan Jones at this point, that's been a disappointment. So that one caught my ear, the possibility Tyler Ellsbury, not just helping a guard, but maybe he'd be the guy that could come in and help out at center. Well, and I wonder a little bit if, if the offensive line room has been kind of all hands on deck this week. I wonder if maybe Brian has uh, stepped into that room a little more and maybe even Kirk has a little bit because, you know, I'm not ready to give up on George Burnett. He's only been there, what, a year and a year and a quarter. Hopefully, hopefully they'll, you know, it's a young line. Hopefully they'll mesh and get better. And we'll be talking about, you know, a really experienced, good offensive line this time next year. But, uh, yeah, I, I got the feeling from Kirk's comments that maybe he's kind of uh, gotten a little more involved and made some, you know, maybe maybe kind of stepped in and said, hey, Logan Jones maybe isn't ready to be a uh, center, especially on the road. I mean, th- we haven't had a road game yet. And I, I worry you put Logan Jones in a road environment. I know Rutgers isn't exactly the world's scariest environment, but it, it's going to be a night game, an undefeated Rutgers team. I'm going to guess they're going to have a pretty good crowd there. They'll have whatever, 40,000, 50,000 people there. You know, I – I truly worry about how this O-line will handle itself on the road. So, uh, you know, it, it's – anybody that watched that game or watched all three games and you think Spencer Peters is our biggest problem uh, really doesn't know football because the O-line is, is clearly the biggest problem on this team right now. Yeah, that, that, that's been a big-time struggle. And you look at it, even the two big runs from Caleb Johnson – uh, that was not that it was immaculate, though the first one, there was a big hole up the middle there. But even the second one, there was maybe one of the few times the potty bombs actually blocked somebody this year that led to that one. Ellsbury had a good block on the second one, and then he was off to the races. Caleb Johnson, time to see a little bit more from him. He had a little burst uh, that we certainly haven't seen from LaShawn Williams and Gavin Williams to this point. It was odd. Both runs, I felt like he uh, yeah, he's got kind of that smooth running style. I felt like he never really even kicked it into like full gear in either one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's, he's deceptively fast. That's for sure. I mean, you know, obviously clearly the running back room, I, I know we had a kid decommit, I think yesterday, but it sure seems like the running back room's in pretty good hands for the next few years. Let's uh, take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to go a little bit deeper into the matchup against Rutgers Punathon 2022. We'll talk about that. We'll break things down. Rutgers has their own set of issues offensively, including trying to figure out exactly who is going to be the guy that is going to play quarterback for them. A big question mark remains there. That is, we continue here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Stay right there. We're back with more in a moment. Well, as we get older, your body starts changing. Dad bod, well, I got that problem. Busy's in a little bit better, better shape than I am. But if you want to feel a little less old, feel like your old self, you can do that, and you can do it with Nugenics. Helping us out, certainly one that you see on the TV and here on the podcast side of things. Remember when winning felt easy? Well, you were younger. You were at your peak testosterone production. What some have called the winner's hormone or man's hormone, be nice to get back to that winning edge again. Want more energy to counter the negative effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testophen will help you turn your back to the clock, re-energize your workouts, get better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. While every product possesses quality, many products use generic ingredients. That's not the case with Nugenics. Their formulation has been backed by 10 years of science and research. Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text COLLEGE to 231-231. Text now, you'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, the most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast. Absolutely free. 
Again, text college to 231-231, college 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Terms and conditions available at newgenics.com slash terms. Trent and Biz back with you on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast as we turn the page from Nevada and we get into the matchup against Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights well, before, we, before we turn the page, Trent, we have to talk about Eugenics. It's clear that one of our uh, one of our new listeners is obviously the sales rep at Eugenics because they, they clearly looked at this and said, boy, they're, they're, there's two dudes that could, could use a little uh, testosterone boost. So they're no dummies. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, with the video component now, people can really see. Hey, here's a couple of guys that, that need that. And we can become the next Frank Thomases and Doug Flutie's of the world, right? Yeah, I was going to say, when are you going to get Frank on here? He's, Frank's becoming a, you know, he's, he's involved with Field of Dreams. You get him over here, he can be, you know, he's basically a, a native Iowan at this point. So you get, get him on here, Trent. We'll work on it. We'll see what we could do. Let's get to Rutgers right now as the Scarlet Knights come in with a 3-0 and record. Nice win a week one against Boston College. I thought they were a live dog going into that one. They played well, but injuries have piled up. They played three different quarterbacks to this point. Noah Vedral, I think people remember him from Nebraska and last year uh, with Rutgers. He's been okay. I saw an update from today. Looks like if he's going to play, it's going to be very, very iffy. We're not going to know until probably close to game time there. They're having their own struggles, but even with those struggles at the quarterback spot, they've still been able to run the ball this year, and, and that Certainly something, eat some clock, play field position. I know the total is 34 and a half, and we're going to get to our picks later, Biz, but this thing just seems destined for 13-10, 10-6, just low-scoring slugfest, and and who can maybe eke out a first down or two on the ground? Uh, and, and you're right, they ran the ball a little bit, but they ain't going to run the ball against us. I saw somewhere that they, uh, they've got four transfer linemen that just came in this year, and they didn't exactly come from the who's who of uh, – schools there's like sacred heart and a couple others like that uh you know this is going to be literally first one to double digits wins this game i mean we'll, we'll get into this some stat boy info and everything but uh yeah it, it's going to be ugly ugly football i mean this could this could set the game of football back a couple decades on on saturday because uh it's going to be a slugfest because I, I think their biggest strength counteracts our biggest weakness, which it sounds like they have a great defensive line. I mean, really disruptive defensive line, a lot of talent there, a couple of transfers in, a couple of guys have just been there a while. You know, I, I legitimately worry, you know, our, our you know, we're going to have to find a way to uh, sneak out 10 points because I, I don't think Rutgers can score 10 points. As I really don't. I mean, I, I think I, the only way they're getting 10 points, like I talked about last week, if we give them short fields and we uh, turn the ball over, they might get some cheap points, but, I mean, they're, I think you can make a strong argument that Nevada might be a better offensive team than Rutgers is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You talk about that defensive front, looking at the numbers from pro football focus, they play eight guys that have all played significant snaps. We talk about, about obviously the depth of the Iowa defensive line. They do the exact same there uh, thing there. They got three guys rated in the seventies, which is very good in their grading scale at PFF off the bench. Uh, their top guy, Aaron Lewis off the edge. Two guys in the middle are both 78. So we're talking about a high-level defense here. And with those concerns, again, on the offensive line, whew, this one gets scary. Do you anticipate road environment? Have you seen the splits of Spencer Petras in his career on the road as opposed to being on the road? It's incredible. He's only thrown one interception on the road. I think it's eight touchdowns, one interception on the road in his career as opposed to 12 touchdowns and 15 interceptions in Kinnick Stadium. I don't know what to read into that. Remember, 
2020, there was nobody in the stand. So maybe that had something to do with it too. But at least interesting looking at those splits, maybe just easing up a little bit, being on the road and anticipating the booze instead of them just cascading down on him. Well, we'll work backwards here, Trent, because Stat Boy, Stat Boy provided me with some Rutgers history, which we can get into in a little bit here. But uh, the other thing he provided me was just how good we've been on the road. And, you know, you talked about Spencer Petras, but the team in general, in the last decade, we're 26 and 26 and one, not 26 and one, but 20 wins, six losses and one tie against the spread as road favorites. So when we're expected to go on the road and win, we've not only done very well at that, but we've covered the spread in those games. I mean, we've been kind of road warriors as a team. And straight up in the last nine years, we're 31 and 13 on the road. I mean, that's a really good road record. And so it's, and then you add in the amazing stat that what was it? Uh, Rutgers hasn't won a home Big Ten game in uh, five years or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think there's something to the fact that, that Spencer Petrus probably plays a little less, a little less nerves on the road. I mean, I think he really wants he, he really wants to please the home crowd and really wants to make a good impression, and he doesn't have to worry about that on the road. And it's kind of a, you know, this coaching staff. I think the last five, six, seven years has really done a nice job of of having us be ready when we go on the road. I remember about this time last year we went to Maryland, and you and I had a terrible mm-hmm. feeling about that game. Yep. And we curb stop Maryland. And I'm not saying we're going to curb stop anybody this year. That would be a bold prediction. But uh, I feel pretty good about this game. I, I just think we're we're in a good mindset as a team right now. I, I think we're certainly not going to overlook anybody. I think we're still kind of – I still think this offense thinks that they can turn the corner a little bit. And you know, hopefully they can do that with Rutgers. So, yeah, I mean, the numbers don't lie. We've been a really good road team the last 10 years. And when we're expected to win – on the road, we usually do. So let's hope that happens again. Continue on. So Stat Boy's got some information for us this week. What did he dig up as he went deep into newspapers.com? And the old yearbooks, I mean, what a goofball. Just sitting there looking at his yearbooks. I love the dude. Well, you you told me that we had a bunch of comments last week. So I uh, yeah. I made the mistake of, you know, you should never, ever look into the comments of anything. Yeah. But uh, I looked into the comments, and one of them really made me giggle because somebody just – just, I think it was a five-word comment. Who is this stat boy? So that's a <laughs> great, great question. So, yes. He, he is the uh, the glue to this podcast is what stat boy is. Uh, otherwise, I'd just be uh, making up things. So at least at least now there's some, some authenticity to the podcast. So what I had him do, Trent, really simple. Look into the uh, long, luxurious history of Iowa versus Rutgers football. So uh, you, remember, you know how many times we've played Rutgers? Well, recent history is just twice, right? Am I right on that one? Not only recent history, that's all-time history. So we've played in the state of New Jersey three times. We uh, we played twice. Do you remember the other two times? Well, East Rutherford with the uh, the the Hartley pick that was picked off on the pitch play and ran back against Tennessee. And what would be the other one? And then same thing. We went back there again and played North Carolina State later on. Oh, in the NC State game, absolutely. Two, uh, Two kickoff classic games. So. That's it, yeah. And then Rutgers. So let's dig into the two Iowa Rutgers games. Let's start. It's actually, ironically, it will be exactly six years ago that we uh, were at Rutgers. September 24, 2016. This will be the the six-year anniversary 
And when you dig into the stats of that game, it's pretty eerie because we might see a exact repeat of that game six six years later. You remember the final score of that uh, pillow fight in, six years ago? That was 14-7 was the final. Iowa eked out the win, and they are kind of getting gashed, I think, by a receiver, something like that in that game. Does that sound right before? I think Iowa broke his leg as he was about to go in for a touchdown. Yep, yeah, I was. I can't remember his name. Young, kind of scat, like a slot receiver type guy that was abusing us, doing kind of everything. Yeah, he broke his leg and uh, kind of got lucky from that point forward because he was uh, doing a little of everything against us. But yeah, we, we won on a late Wadley touchdown. But they, you dig into the numbers, uh, you, you get you get a feeling that it might be pretty similar. Like I said, uh, C.J. Beathard, a very pedestrian, 12 for 23 for 162 yards, which uh, that, that feels like about your average uh, yep. your average Spencer Petras game right now. Uh, we did run the ball pretty well that day, so uh, let's hope we can do that. But the most important part of that game, and this segues us into what we're going to talk about a little bit, this shows, Trent, that for people that are new to this podcast, we have been a, a hardcore punting podcast for a long time because yes. six years ago, Rock and Ron Caluzzi put three punts, three punts inside the 10 and had a good enough game to be named the Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week. So uh, we were the official, uh, we were on the Rock and Ron Caluzzi uh, fan page. We were really uh, leaders of that uh, bandwagon from a long time ago. So uh, if people think we're just now jumping onto the punting this no, winning, we, we, we've been involved for a long time. So Rock and Ron Caluzzi played a major role, just like I assume Tori Taylor will on Saturday. Problem is, uh, Rutgers, they got a punter of their own that's probably better than Tory. He has not had a ball that's gone into the end zone, and they put a lot at Rutgers since 2020. That's unthinkable. 100, 136 straight punts, that one in the end zone. So. I mean, we saw one right away from, from Tory. It's just, it's going to happen, especially when you're pinning them that deep. Both these guys are outstanding. They're friends. They're, they were in the same uh, kicking camp in Australia, and uh, there'll be a lot of talk about that. And the national media, uh, they're going to be having fun. Is this thing probably will sit three three going into the middle of the fourth quarter and uh, punting? Uh, how many punts in the game? If I had to give you an overrun, let's say I put it at twenty seven and a half. What do you oh, think? Oh, good lord! There's not going to be that many. Twenty seven oh. and a half has got to be like an all time. We well, might be trending that way, record, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> probably the San Diego uh, South Dakota State game was seven to three with no touchdowns in the game, and there was only what twenty one in that game. So uh, it can't be worse than that, can it? So give me under 21, Trent. It can't okay, be worse than that game. So I'll, I'll say 20, 20 and a half is our number. I've got the under, you've got the over. 67, uh, the most under that I see here with quick, re- quick research. 1939, Century took on Texas Tech. 34 by Tech, 33 by Century. Well, That's I think that, that, that record is probably here. safe. Uh, yeah. That would be a legendary game. O- only because you're not allowed to punt in overtime. If we went to overtime, maybe we'd beat it. But. <laughs> Ooh, so, that would well, be... Let's let's get to the second the second Rutgers game because it it, mm-hmm. it talks about uh, how great Corsic is as a punter. Because if you remember, yes. the second Iowa Rutgers game was three years ago. Not much memorable about that game except for the punter. Adam Corsic was there in 2019, and man, did he put on a show in Kinnick. Uh, Hawks win 30 to nothing. Rutgers only had 125 yards and five first downs, which means lots and lots of punts. He had 10 punts, 48-yard average, seven of them inside the 20, five of them inside the eight, three of them inside the five, including back-to-back ones that went 69 yards to the one and 48 yards to the one. So uh, 
but he's such a good punter. He is a third year captain for Rutgers <laughs> this year. So, uh, Tor Tori, uh, we, we think of Tori as the best punter in the nation, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, we'll find out on Sunday if that's or Saturday if that's true because they he's got his work cut out for him. That is wild, absolutely incredible. Anything else from Stat Boy this week? Uh, one other thing, and switching gears a little bit, but it looks like we probably will kick off as the lowest over under in uh, modern college football history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it started at 34 and a half, which meant, meant we were slightly above, but it's dropped to 33 and a half. And there's never been a game in modern college football history that's at an over under lower than 33 and a half. There, there's two of them that kicked off at 34. And of, of course, Iowa was involved in one of those two just last year. Yeah. I, Iowa Wisconsin game was 34 and we pushed. We lost 27 to 7. The other one was Vandy, Missouri in 2015. And the under uh, hit easily, 10 to 3. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about it. I, I'd be shocked if we somehow get above 34 points in this game. because uh, It's going to take a ton of defense. Like, it, it's going to take a couple of pick sixes, a special team score, a short field or two where you know, a team starts inside their 20-yard line. That's what it's going to take to get to that number. If it's just a standard football game with one turnover on each side, there's no way. I, I just I can't envision a realistic scenario. Well, it's the same thing I said last week with Nevada. I mean, I, I think there's a good chance we can shut Rutgers out. I yeah. don't see them yep. getting to more than 10 points on us, which means let's say they get to 10. That means we got to get above 24. And I just don't see that happening. I mean, if we if we get above 24, it'll be, we throw in a parade when they come back from New Brunswick. So, But, yeah, it, it it's one of those things where I think Vegas is, is kind of – their hands are tied a little bit. They can't put the over under at 27 and a half, but I'm sure they probably want to. I mean, it yeah. should be. I and mean, that's honestly what it should be. But I think they're kind of stuck a little bit because they're like, well, we can't, we can't make it the uh, lowest spread by five points. So, uh, I mean, and there's a reason it's dropped from 34 and a half to 33 and a half because it, it mm -hmm. literally can't get low enough for, uh, for the betters out there right now. Yeah. I, I was looking at some numbers earlier today. Uh, there's a couple of those sites that, you know, kind of tell you the percentages, betting percentages that are out there. I'm going to pull it up real quick here and see just as it pertains to the total, how many people have been firing at the under. Uh, this is from Wager Talk. Yeah, right now, 83% of the tickets and 98% of the money through their system is on the under in the game. So that shows you this is not just a public one either. A couple of the, the handicappers that I know, they have been as soon as that thing came out. And it was 35, I think, at Circa when that came out. And the first line released, that thing was hammered right away uh, at there. So, yeah, we're going to see. This is one that both the Sharps and uh, us Joes out there, we're going to be playing together this week on the under. Yeah, I don't know how you can't, but it's, uh, you know, at this point in the year, Trent, you'd, be, you'd be foolish to not just ride the wave until Iowa miraculously uh, goes over. I mean, we, Vegas just every week might get lower and lower, but I, mm -hmm. I take the under on every Iowa game until they prove you otherwise. Well, we're going to make some picks as we continue here in just a moment. Our degenerate picks brought to you by Bet Online as we continue. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Well, speaking of Bet Online, Bet Online is your number one source for football betting this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchup news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, up to the minute scores for every sport out there. 
Baseball coming up to the stretch run here as we go through the final couple weeks of the regular season. Golf's going on. President Cups right now. They have you covered. MMA, boxing, and a whole lot more. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Biz, let's get into it here. Our picks of the week as we go through. And I uh, I didn't even remember to go back and grade our paper from last week. Let's see. I had Nevada. That's a loss. I had AM. That's a win. I had one and two. That's not too bad the way that we've been doing picks this year. Yet over in AM Miami. Good God, Biz. What an awful yeah, pick. That, that was clearly wrong on that. <laughs> had the under in the Iowa game. That's a win. And Mississippi State, they got beat outright by LSU. So, Couple of one and twos fading us. That's my, first, that's my first losing week of the year, Trent. So don't don't be lumping me in with your mess. So. <laughs> that, that's true. All right, we, this week our game of the week. We open where game day should be this weekend in Lawrence, Kansas, as the undefeated Kansas Jayhawks take on undefeated Duke. This is not the Champions Classic. This is real football. What do you see here? It's a big number over a touch. Are, are you willing to lay over a touchdown with the Kansas Jayhawks? No. I'm not, willing, I'm not willing to bet uh, either team, uh, but I am willing to bet the under. I think uh, Duke's, Duke's got a legitimately decent defense. They, they hired the, uh, uh, the Elko as a defensive-minded coach. Uh, I, I just think the over-under last time I saw it was 66 points. I just think that's too many points. I think uh, you know, uh, Kansas is a fun fun team. Are they going to get enough get wins to get to a bowl game? Who knows? But uh, I don't have any confidence betting the uh, – either team when it comes to the spread. So just give me the under. I'll, I'll take the uh, under 66. Trent. It is a team of destiny, this Kansas squad. Well, I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but very well for, for two more weeks, because don't they play the Stones next week? Yes, exactly. Well, and speaking of game day, if Iowa State beats Baylor this week and Kansas wins against Duke, there's a real possibility they could be going there for 4-0 versus 4-0. They want to cross off game day does. Places they've never been. Obviously, Kansas is one of those places, a possibility. Uh, the number across the board right now is seven. I'm going to lay the seven. I think the Jayhawks get it done here. I will take Kansas laying a touchdown. Uh, words I don't think that I have ever, ever uh, uttered in my life. Let's go to the Iowa game. Hawkeyes right now against Rutgers. Let's take a look at the updated line as I scroll through here. Iowa is, let's see, seven and a half is consensus right now. We will go with that. I'm taking Rutgers. I'm going to grab the points here. Like I said earlier, I think we're just kind of destined for a 13-10 type of game, something like that. So low-scoring affair. I'm going to grab the points. Give me the seven and a half. We just spent five minutes talking about how the under is the, is the play, Trent. So you give just me the under. over-unders more than me. Well, it just let's not overthink it here. Uh, yeah. Could, could we win by 10? Sure. Could we win by four? Sure. But the one thing I feel very confident about is that neither team is getting to 20 points. So. Give, give me the under, whatever it is. I don't care. You can make up a number. <laughs> and you're still going under on that. All right, we wrap it up with our best bet of the week. This is one that I had circled before the season, and uh, I'm going right back to the well. As bad as Kansas State looked last week against Tulane, really struggled in the second half of the game. A lot of talk about Martinez this week. He, he's he got the turnovers maybe out of his system a little bit, but he's not taking the same chances he has in the past, and it looks like a climate and company trying to work that out of him they got to take some shots here. They've had the number against Oklahoma throughout the years. I'm getting 12 and a half, and I will jump aboard. Give me K-State coming off a loss, plus 12 and a half at Oklahoma. Yeah, I actually like that one as well. But uh, give me – I'm keeping it simple this week, Trent. I think uh, Jim Harbaugh is on a mission to to mm-hmm. score as many points as he possibly can this year and, and really put up some style points. And uh, 
Hopefully that won't apply next week when he has to come to, to Kinnick. But uh, I think they stomp Maryland. I, I just I don't know why the spread is, is as low as it is. It's it's 17. This has this has the feel of a 48 48 to 10 victory to me. So uh, give me the Fighting Harbaugh's at minus 17 at home versus the Terps. Going with uh, Harbaugh's to get it done, go to 4 0, and then get ready for the big nooner uh, coming up 11 o'clock Central Time against the Hawks. That game will be on Fox. All right, those are our picks for this week, Biz. Before we get out of here, though, let's get into Biz's beat without, sadly, the music. Well, Trent, another year and another uh, another baseball season goes by without a Mets-Twins uh, World Series. <laughs> My Mets uh, kept up their end of the bargain this year. They're, yeah. they're already, uh, they already clinched a playoff berth, but I think I saw that Twins officially were eliminated yesterday, weren't they? Or- uh, I I don't know if they're still officially eliminated. They're, they're getting very close, though. Yeah, they're falling apart here. Not, what is I it? thought I saw maybe, maybe their magic number eliminated is down to one. But the, the Twins okay. are – either way, it's it's inevitable it's going to happen. So uh, yep. Someday it'll happen, Trent. Someday we'll be uh, freezing our butts off up in the Target Field <laughs> in late October to, to watch a game. But uh, it ain't happening this year. And for once, uh, my, Mets, my Mets still have some hope. But uh, I guess next year for your Twins. Yes, absolutely. Next year. Uh, so I'm Expos, apparently, since you're uh, rocking the Expos hat today. It's, it's a great hat. It's a great hat and uh, great memories back in the day. Biz, we will talk about things next week. No trip out to Rutgers. That is one of the two remaining stadiums. I believe both of us have. You've been to every Big right. Ten stadium except for the newbies? Yes, I have. we got to get there at some point. So We'll put that on the bucket list, and, well, it'll be pretty easy. When USC and UCLA, that's not going to take a whole lot of convincing to get out to those locales. A little bit different than heading out to Biscataway. We got to get there at some point, but uh, I can't say it's breaking my heart that I'm not going out this year. (laughs) No, it doesn't seem like it's setting up well. We'll we'll break everything down. Be back with you next week. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Myself and LaShawn Daniels get ready for Rutgers. We'll talk more about that running game. What can be done to unlock things? We'll get his thoughts on that. And Kirk earlier in the week talking about zone blocking and the cut blocking again. We'll get LaShawn's perspective on that coming up tomorrow. Until then, for Biz, this is Trent. We'll talk to you again on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Go Hawks!